Hi, I'm Josh Gibbons. And I'm Stan Gibbons. And welcome to this episode of Rescuing Churches, the official podcast of 614 Ministries, where it's always a great adventure discussing church revitalization and pastoral life. 614 exists to equip churches with the tools, knowledge, and resources they need to better impact their communities for the cause of the gospel. Learn more at 614ministries.org. And we're just back from a great adventure ourselves in Corinth, Mississippi. We are. What a great adventure. Summer Summit. We were summiting. It, yes. Yes. As Pastor Nick Brown of Crossroads Baptist Church loved to say, he, he would put it in verb form, come <laughs> summit with us. Summit. We were summiting. Yes. I don't, I, I'm not a mountain climber, so I have no idea what that means. So, <laughs> we had know, a good maybe, time, though. Maybe he climbs mountains and he can eliminate Great us. church to fellowship with. Absolutely. Hello, and welcome to Rescuing Churches with Stan and Josh Gibbons. This is the official podcast of 614 Ministries, where we exist to renew vision and restore hope at struggling churches across the country. With over 80% of churches in decline and 1,500 pastors a month battling depression, we strive to equip members and encourage ministers to pursue new directions of stability and growth. Last couple episodes, Dad, we talked about, we've really been focusing heavily on aspects of healthy church life. Right. How healthy churches function. We've talked about revitalization. We've talked about the awe factor. We just yeah. came out of that episode. And it's, it's important for all of us as pastors, just speaking as a pastor here, leadership, maybe also deacons if you're without a pastor, but it's important that you evaluate your church's health. I mean, Absolutely. Take, take, Absolutely. Take, get a checkup. Yeah. Right. And listen to podcasts like this to do that. Yeah, and this will help, I hope. There's this other aspect which we are gleaning from the church at Thessalonica, specifically seen in 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 10, one of which is how the church is supposed to work. And yep. this is something that we shared with Crossroads Baptist while we were there in Corinth. It's a little peek into the inside, the inner workings of the church. Yes, a little look inside. And I like knowing that stuff. Yeah. As your son, I know how much you like that and how much you love understanding why things work the way that they do. You did not pass that gene to me. I think you passed it to my no. brother. Oh, absolutely. But yes. I did not get the, I love to take things apart and figure out why, why they work the yeah, way that they do. What makes that thing make a ticking noise? Yeah. Or yeah. If, it's, if it's broken, I'm just going to kick it and hope that it works better right. after that right. or throw right. it across the room or whatever. I'm the guy that took everything we had at home apart. Yep. Growing up as a kid, I had tons of stuff like that. Absolutely. Still do. Yeah. And, and I, I have memories as a little boy of you taking things apart and putting them back together just for fun, whether it was a car engine or a vacuum cleaner. That's it didn't right. matter what it was. It Absolutely. was just, I'm going to figure right. out why this works the way yeah. that it does. Yeah. If it's broken, I'm going to repair it. Yeah. And if it's not broken, I might just take Little it apart for fun. cheap RC cars we used to buy you. It's oh, like, gosh. when that thing would oh, yeah. break down, I'm like, I got to fix that. Absolutely. Let's figure that out. But in the sphere of church world, which is what we're talking about today, we have to know how the church is supposed to work, why it works the way that it does yeah, a little bit of the inner workings, the inner workings and why God desires for it to function in a certain way. It has a certain order that it's supposed to function in. Yeah. And if you heard our last podcast, we talked about the awe of the new Testament church, right? The inspiration that it had into the community. Well, this is the, how that 
this is more detailed evidence of how that should work. So it's it's the deeper dive to the deeper dive that we took in the last episode. Correct. So it's Correct. it's an even well, double, it sounds like double, an, it sounds like another Stephen Curtis Chapman song. Well, we need double dive. deeper dive. Yeah. We should have opened up a dive on this episode. That's right. A little shout out to Stephen Curtis Chapman there. Ooh. So just kind of coming into this First Thessalonians passage like we did with the um, the other one in the last episode, give us a little bit of the context of First Thessalonians chapter 1 and tell us what exactly... Well, it's a young church, new church. They're all new believers. Um, it's funny how when you read it, you think of them as brilliant saints, but they're brand new believers pretty right. much. They've just come to faith. It's a small group. There's not a big bunch of them. Um, but Paul says in chapter 1, they, they were examples to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia um, how the word sounded forth from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, chapter 1, verse 8, he says it sounded forth, literally a word that means trumpeted. It blasted out of you. And every place your faith toward God has gone forward. So they had this forward-moving faith, which is why when we were in Corinth, we taught on faith out loud. Right. Um, your faith moves forward, and it's out loud. Um, Paul says their faith was so strong and their testimony was so powerful that he had no need to even communicate to Macedonia and Achaia. I don't even know to go plant churches there. I don't need to go right. witness. Right. I don't need to go visit with anybody. You guys are doing such a good job. The unique part of that is, is a time when, when church persecution was very high. Persecution of Christians and sharing their faith was very high. Absolutely. And, and the, the persecuted church went forth boldly anyway. They didn't care if their life was in danger. They they went into marketplaces and shared their faith. They visited with people and shared their faith. They told people that Jesus died for them and, and you know, resur- was resurrected and kept their faith out in front, even though they were under heavy persecution. Absolutely. You know, Roman and, Colosseum kind of persecution. And talk, and talk about a compliment. I'm coming from the Apostle Paul. You know, I mean, just yes. you think about, you know, what, if you're if you're in church leadership of any capacity, whether you're a pastor or you just work in church leadership, if the Apostle Paul could say about your church, hey, man, there, there's no no need for me to even come anywhere near your community because you guys are doing such a great you're job knocking and, it out of the park. Yeah. and you're only, you know, maybe 15 to 30 members strong and you're still knocking it out of the park. It's a great that's, evaluation for us as churches. Though, go, hey, I mean, are we knocking it out of the park? Compliment yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs> are we trumpeting forth, you know, the, the gospel and our testimony? Are we blasting that stuff forth? And I think the text gives us some clues as to how that works. Um, and Paul just enlightens us to some of that. For this small church. He really does. He really does. And, you know, I, I think this is a, a particularly convicting passage, or at least it should be for a lot of believers, because it's natural for us to struggle to share our faith out in the community. I mean, that's something that, you know, we talk about a lot and, you know, we struggle with it when we're just, you know, out in public, you know, at the grocery in the line at the grocery store. And, right. you know, and you you feel that you're supposed to share your faith with somebody or, um, you know, wherever you might happen to be, you know, I mean, sometimes for us, it's even, you know, we're sitting at a restaurant and we're wearing our, our shirts with our logos on them and God's going, Hey, you should really share your faith and your testimony with the waitress, you know, because you're you're wearing your 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 shirt shirt. (laughs) and she's asking you, Hey, what does that logo mean? That might be God saying, Hey, you should talk about it. It's time to talk about your faith. It's time to talk about it. It's good. Um, you know, but, but we get worried that, you know, we're either going to be rejected or that we're going to make an awkward situation. It's just, you know, that, but the Thessalonica church, the church at Thessalonica was like you said, a very young church, a very small church that was 
putting their faith out there into the community exactly on a regular basis, even under threat of persecution. Exactly. I think that's just amazing. So it's awesome. And we often receive the word you talk here about how we're supposed to receive the word with joy. Um, and it's one of your first steps here. And, you know, I think in our American culture, we often receive the word with a lot of complaining and whining. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, we, we take, we take God's word as some sort of restrictor plate mm-hmm. on us, some sort of restrictions that we have to live under when it's actually, they were, they were excited to receive it. And that's the first step of this church is they re, Paul says they receive the word with in their affliction with joy. And, and when they received it, they become the sons of God. And it, and it was such a transforming moment for them that they had to go tell it now. And, and they didn't just believe it, but they received it. it the, the word means they welcomed it as a friend. They welcomed it into their life. Um, and like you said, they did it without whining, without complaining. You know, there was no grumbling and moaning. Um, so, that, so there was no, um, the sermon's going too long today. Yeah. It's time for lunch. Oh, do we have to go to church today? I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather just stay home and, you know, cut the grass. Yeah. Something, I, something I was here, I was like here that. for the sermon, but you know, it's going yeah. too long. So it's time to go to lunch. <laughs> yeah. But, but they, they were hungry for the word. And I think we need to ask Absolutely. ourselves, is our church, are our church people hungry and thirsting after the word of God? hungering and thirsting towards righteousness and things of righteousness. And if not, we need to pray that they will become that way. So there's a prayer line for a pastor and a leadership team to do passionate praying about that. But then we also need to challenge them that they need may need to get some things out of their life that are in the wrong priority that are interfering with that hunger and thirst. Absolutely. So we, we've seen that with the rehab guys that we have now. They've, they've been on a hill in rehab, kind of isolated from worldly things, so they're starving for the Word of God. And you know, after we preach a sermon here, they want to come into the conference room and have a a lunch about the sermon, and then, right. they, then they want to stay for an afternoon. Can we do another Bible study before we go back? And I'm thinking that's that's how it should work. We believe the Word, we receive it, and we hunger for it. Yep. We hunger for it. Yeah, yep. it's it's a passion, and you can sense it in them for sure. Yeah. And of course, that puts the pastor on notice that you got to be preaching the Word. Don't preach your favorite story. Don't preach somebody else's sermon. Right. You know, get in the word, exegete the word, teach the Bible to your people. The Bible is what matters. Absolutely. So don't don't teach cultural issues. You know, you can, you can highlight stuff out of the culture and definitely address some things, but teach the Bible. Absolutely. The second step that you mentioned is that they proclaim the word of God throughout the region and that the surrounding towns heard that and you have a note here about how they turn to God from idols. And I, I was thinking about, you know, we still have a lot of idols in our current culture. You know, there's a lot of things that we oh my goodness, yeah. idolize and, you know, we, we put things above God all the time and we do it with hobbies and material possessions or Absolutely. careers. And we, we, we turn those things into things that we think we should be chasing after. And we put God on the back burner. Yeah. It might just be media. It might just be putting a person. There might be a, sure. somebody in the culture that, you know, we idolize so much we have to see, you know, we have to see what's happening in right. his life. Some some movie star, some athlete, it's like I can't, you know, I got to see what's happening yeah. in their life. And you and idolize that person. Before you know it, it's, yeah, it, it's it's everything that you're about. But it, it, this, this church, it says that they turned to God from idols and they repented of their past. And I, and I think that for us, that's just an incredible example of what we should be doing. Well, and, and that... When we talked in the in the previous podcast, we talked about the awe factor of the difference that that church had. They were different. This is one of the differences in that culture. Everybody in that culture had an idol, right? 
And all of a sudden, we're throwing our idols away. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have a little statue sitting around our house. We're not praying to 47 gods. Right. You know, we don't pray to a rain god when we need rain and a sun god when we need sun and, you know, a fertility god when we want children. We don't pray to all that anymore. We literally got rid of all that. And we're very focused on one thing, the Lord Jesus Christ and living for him. So when they when they literally turned to God after they after they received the word, they proclaimed the gospel in their testimony and and Paul gives us that conversion process right here. What did, what did the what were they telling people in the surrounding towns, Macedonia and Acadia? What were they telling people? Well, they're saying, "Hey, we we don't have any idols at our house anymore, man. I don't want any. I don't right. need an idol. You know, I don't right. know why you need that idol, but I don't need an idol." Yep. It's interesting in our culture, people accuse Christians of having these crutches, <laughs> right? The the crutch is your Bible, yeah. Well, your faith is your crutch. And in that culture, the Christians are going, we don't need those crutches, man. We need Jesus. And Jesus is all we need. That's the the only thing we need. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I I think that, and and you have a note here about how they um, sounded forth the gospel and their testimony. And the the testimonies have been something that have been so powerful, especially, um, I mean, we've even seen the power of personal testimonies in the church where we serve here in Mobile, um, how uh, your personal story can impact just anyone and right. it can impact the community for Christ. So, yeah. And I think I let too much time go by in our church, just confessions of a pastor here. Um, I let too much time go by here at our small church without putting people in the pulpit, giving their testimonies, gr- you know, beautiful testimonies of faith. I don't think we did enough of that for a, a long season here. Right. We were focused on a lot of other things and we just kind of, I think it caused us to lose a little bit of that first love. Right. right. Like we talked about before on some other podcasts and God's had to restore that. And it's restored by sharing your testimony, Absolutely. letting your testimony be out. And what was their testimony? They turned to God from idols. They turned to serve God and they're waiting on his return, which means they're focused on Christ yep. at all times. I'm not, I, there's no idol in my life now. God's in the center. Um, I'm serving the one that's in the center and I'm waiting on him. Absolutely. It's all about him. Now. And we've got a church full of people that love telling those kind of stories and testimonies because they've actually done those things. Yes. And I mean, we even, and they're seeing fruit from it, fruit from it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of them shared his testimony this morning. So right. well, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, very much so. How how would you recommend a church move forward toward proclaiming their faith in and to the local community? I mean, this is something that we we talked a little bit about when we were in Corinth, um, mm-hmm. you know, for the Church Out Loud series that you taught there. Um, and, and it's, you know, a struggle for some small churches, especially in a community where, you know, they're not getting outside of their walls, but they think that it's going to be difficult to get outside of their walls and into their community because they're like, oh, well, we don't really know how to go about this. So, well, here's a 10 minute training program that you can do in 10 minutes at any church service you want to take. I did it at the front end of a service just recently. Right. Um, and it's to teach them how to give what we call an elevator, elevator testimony. testimony. It's really just an abbreviated testimony that says, before Christ, I was. One, two, three words that describe you ad, ad, adjectively. <laughs> adjectives. Yeah. Adjectively, I don't think is a word. It's an adverb just of that. Take of the word adjectives. adjective. Yeah. <laughs> it's the adverb of adjective. Just, just make up a word. Yeah, I'm making up words. So I don't know what I'm talking about. But I do know that an elevator testimony, you have to have three adjectives that describe you before you knew Christ. I struggle with depression, anxiety, 
fear. Um, I struggled to have peace. I was an angry person. Whatever, whatever your life addiction, before, whatever it was, whatever your life before Christ was. Then you tell a sentence about how you met Christ. Yep. I met Christ at you know my mom's church when she took me, or at summer camp, or at a revival, or I was at a concert, or I just prayed to him in my room the foot of my bed and cried out to him in desperation, whatever that situation is, you, you, you define how you came to Christ. So you have the before Christ adjectives, how I met Christ. And then you have three adjectives that are after, after I invited Christ into my life. Now I am. So once I was X, Y, Z, then I met Christ. Now I am. And when you learn to, you teach your, you can teach your people how to do that literally with a, Three by five card on their lap in their pew. Say, write down three adjectives that describe you before you knew Christ. Absolutely. Write down how you met Christ. Give them a second to do all that. Write down how you met Christ. And then write down three adjectives to describe after. And then have them read the card to you with those Absolutely. three phrases. And, and have them work on memorizing it. This is something that... As Once we, you get to know it. Yep. This is something that we've seen play out over and over again. And it, and it, and it just works so powerfully and so well for a lot of people. But if, if you're a pastor and you're going to implement this, we definitely recommend have your people work on memorizing it. It's not hard to memorize sure. once they start doing it. And sure. once they start repeating it, I mean, cause it's short and that's the whole point. Keep yeah. it short, sweet, and simple. Yeah. And while we were in Corinth, we heard a couple of people just stand up right in the middle, oh, yeah. right, right in the service. We ask them, anybody willing to bravely try it's rough, rough draft. You just did it 30 seconds ago, but just right. try and see what it sounds like. Exactly. And when you hear them, you're very inspired by them. They're 35 seconds worth of great inspirational truth yep. of how Jesus changed a person. And uh, so all of us have a testimony to share. It doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter how dark your background was, how little you know about the Bible or anything else. Everybody has a testimony. So, so the church needs to work on making sure everybody can share their testimony. And then the equipping that the pastor is supposed to do beyond that is to say, now I need to make sure you can share the gospel very specifically. So I have to give you the elements of the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5. Good place to look at that. And uh, we'll drop that in the show notes or whatever. But it'd be really good to have them review that passage and talk about you know, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ for our sins. According to the scriptures, he died for our sins. Um, was buried, rose again, and seen of, you know, multiple hundreds. So knowing those two elements, I think that's all the Thessalonian church had. Sure. There's two things that are happening in this text. They received the word, and then they proclaimed the word. They received it with joy. They received it with joy and not, affliction. Not, not grumbling and moaning. That's right. Even though they were under affliction. They received it with joy, and then they proclaimed the yep. word. And I oh, think wow. as churches... We got in a long history of receiving the word and just holding on to it, just hanging just on, hanging and, out, and getting smarter and smarter in the yep. word, but never proclaiming the word. We don't actually do anything with it once we have right. it. Right. And the New Testament church, yep. the model of the the the, Thessalon- the church at Thessalonica is and is it, they went out and proclaimed that. And and I think part of that, part of what contributes to, and you know, just feel free to shoot me down if I'm wrong here, but I think part of what contributes to us just. In, in modern Christianity 2020 with all of the technology that we have, biblical technology that we have, the electronic Bibles and just sure. the easy access to everything at our fingertips, um, just hanging on to our, the word when we receive it on a Sunday or in our quiet time is because it's so accessible. And, and right. it's like when, once we've got it, it's just, we, we take, we take for granted that we have the Bible. Right. We take for granted that we have scripture. We take for granted that we have access to 
a church that we can come to every right. week or twice a week and hear a great sermon or a, a message or a podcast or whatever, mm-hmm. we, we take a lot of that for granted. Right. And, and for the, for the early church, the church at Thessalonica, like we're talking about, or, you know, like in the last episode where we talked about, you know, they didn't have all that. And, and it wasn't a, we take this for granted. Yeah, they didn't have a physical Bible at right, all. Right, right. They and, didn't have any of yeah, that. They went to the temple and heard somebody yeah. read a scroll. Exactly. There, there was no, you know, taking it and for then granted. They heard, they heard the disciples, the apostles, and the apostles' disciples, the yep. disciples of the apostles, yep. the men that the disciples were teaching, they heard them share stories about Jesus. Yep. And, uh, and explain the death, burial, and resurrection. And they were so moved that they went into their own culture at the risk of their lives. They yep. went in their own culture and proclaimed exactly what they heard. Yep. And, I, you know, that's a huge weakness in what we call church today. Is we receive it and let it become knowledge without ever going out. Absolutely. And, and there's no out pour of it. And yeah, we don't funnel it back out. Yeah. And yeah. just a reminder, the, the, the church at Thessalonica, the verse says... In every place, their faith has gone forth. Their faith was forward, forward. moving, yep. and and their the word of the Lord sounded forth from them, trumpeted out. Um, that's what healthy churches look like, and that's I think that's a challenge to every pastor I know, including me, to say, are we doing that? You know, I was encouraged today. Some of our Church folks, you know, took some leftover food we had from a big event last night. Uh, we had some leftover food, and they said, "Hey, we want to go find some homeless people, share the gospel with them while we feed them, and just give it and away." Went, they literally went into a parking lot and found some homeless people and shared the gospel with them. That's awesome. That the faith is going forward. Yep, that's what it's supposed to look like. Absolutely, absolutely. And then we're saved to serve. You know, the, the Paul, Paul says part of their testimony was that they were saved. To serve, they turn to serve God, not just to sit, not just to soak, not just to take stuff from the church, but to actually serve God. Yeah, um, and and, I, and that that again goes back to the you know the, just what you're you know used to with church life. Some people well, are just used to coming to church and just soaking, taking, soaking it up, taking. and and that yeah, this is a what can I get out of it for me moment. Yeah. And I'm just going to go home. And now I have the word. Now I have the knowledge. But it's just. And that's the absence of what we talked about in the previous podcast, devotion. Yep. There's no, devotion, There's no devotion to taking it and not doing anything with it. I'm not devoted to anything. Exactly. It's It's got to, at some point, it's got to, to move beyond knowledge and become an action on your part. And you actually have to get out into right. your community and get out, and, out into the to, to your local community and do something with it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's good. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Rescuing Churches. We hope you found the content and dialogue helpful and inspiring as always. If you'd like to give us some thoughts and feedback on the show, we'd love to hear from you at 601-909-0614 or email us at 614rebuild at gmail.com. You can also follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 614rebuild.